0: Good evening, everyone. I want to thank you guys for the opportunity you've given me to share a little bit of what I've learned. Um, uh, had a good afternoon. Got to spend it with Boyd and Claudia Sellers and thank them for their hospitality. Um, uh, before I start, I figure I should tell a couple things about me. Um, uh, I got to talk with Evelyn Souter before we started. and She told me, she said, you look like the guy from the pictures this morning. <laughs> and uh, I said... <laughs> Well, I am. I'm that guy. And she said, I thought a teenager was speaking. Well, I'm a, I am 18 years old, so I do count as a teenager. So good job, everyone. I'm, a, I'm 18 years old. I'm a senior in high school. I've been thinking about going on this trip with my grandfather for a few years. Um, I've taken Spanish for a few years and know a little bit. And it's been nice to finally get out there and do that. But what I want to talk about tonight, this is going to be kind of a different sort of report. Um, uh, after returning from Colombia, I reflected on some of the things I had noticed, and I figured that there were three things that Satan uses all over the world to try to destroy the church. And we know that he's not out to destroy the church in the sense that he wants to eradicate every person that says they're a Christian, nor does he want to have every church building torn down. But if he gets the Lord's church to stop working, to compromise on their zeal for the Lord, on their desire for truth, on their love for the Lord. Then he has stopped the Lord's church in their mission. And Satan uses three tactics, I believe, in order to try and stop the Lord's work. And those three tactics, which he uses all over the world, are discontentment, discouragement, and distress. I'll say it again. Discontentment, discouragement, and distress. What I want to tell you about tonight are three of the places that I visited that I have very fond memories with, and I'll each of them stand as an example to me, and I believe to all of us as well, as to how to defend ourselves against Satan's weapons. And I hope you find this as encouraging as I have. First, let's talk about discouragement for a second, or not discouragement, pardon, discontentment. I think we're pretty good at being content, um, especially this kind of the idea that Americans are very greedy, we're very consumeristic. I think in the church we do a pretty good job of being fairly content by our standards, but it's interesting how meeting others who are less fortunate than yourselves changes your perspective on things like that. With that, I want to talk about Sarate, for a moment. is a town about an hour's drive from the coast. Well, if you look up there, it's in the north northwest area of um, Colombia, and um, uh, so it's a little bit more built up than other places because it's near the coast. Albert preaches in this area. We talked about Albert this morning. Albert is the man, that's him in the red, on the right. Albert is the guy, who rides two motorcycles, he he owns two motorcycles. They have an emissions law down there, so depending on what number your license plate is, you can only ride it one day of the week. Or every other day, I should say. His home in Saraté is actually nicer than some of the others that you'll see. I would say it's upper middle class. That's the room he builds onto his home, which he inherited, so that the church can meet there. That's something we discussed this morning. And um, uh, he has a lot of plantains around his house. Um, uh, Dozens and dozens and dozens of plantain plants. That's that's what those are. And for those of you who don't know, plantains are like if a potato grew in a banana peel. They don't... (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's essentially what they are. Um, uh, But... They don't have a lot of great taste, but they have a lot of food. But they just have the same food. He has a large water collection system also. I found it very impressive. Um, uh, This is a well hand dug. It's about 15 to 20 feet. We wouldn't hand dig a well that deep here. Um, uh, We actually use that in the baptism we discussed this morning. This is the well we drew the water from using a pump to fill up. Their house does not have AC. So, although it's 90 to 100 outside, it's just as hot inside. While we were there, while we were there in Sarate, we drove about 20 minutes and we spoke in a small town called Caracas. Um, uh, We talked about this this morning also. This is the Bible study that's grown a lot that's down by a river. One thing that was not mentioned this morning is what's in the river. Um, uh, This is not the typical let's go down to the river to pray river that we envision. This is a river of raw sewage. And it smells like it. And it looks like it. And so we're sitting out in this Bible study in the blazing hot sun. There's very little breeze. And we're sitting next to the river of sewage. Through all this, though, I never heard a single complaint. Not that I would be able to understand well, but you can tell if someone is discontent in their current circumstances. And that struck me. Because in those situations, I would feel very discontent. Especially if I had to be in that situation week in and week out being stuck eating the same food daily in hot weather near a river of sewage. But somehow, they were content. And the church there is growing. It's thriving. We don't really have an issue with discontent here, do we? I think in some ways we do. Sometimes I think we can get into the habit of feeling like we just don't have it that good here. We talk about it a lot in the sense of not feeling blessed in America, but I want to make it a little bit more specific. I'll use this as an example, Anderson, my town. Anderson kind of gets a bad rap um, uh, because we don't have a lot of the physical amenities that a lot of other towns have. We used to have a Target. We don't have a Target anymore. We haven't really had Chick-fil-A. The town has a bad reputation for, like, drug usage, and so because there's bad people there, it's just not a great town, and so the kind of the whole town just gets put under this, like, umbrella of, like, oh, you're from Anderson. But Maybe you have similar feelings about Avon, or the Indy area. But let me ask this. How can a church be expected to grow if its members don't want to be in that community? How can it be expected to improve a community which it dislikes and doesn't care about? Admittedly, I struggle more with the opposite attitude. Um, Because a lot of people like to harp on Anderson, I don't mind Anderson. In fact, I love a lot of the people in Anderson. And so when someone wants to throw dirt on my town, that really makes me want to go throw dirt back on their town. But how can a church grow if its members dislike the communities that surround it? If we judge a town and the spiritual fertility of the soil there based on its physical attributes, how are we going to be able to accomplish our job of evangelizing to them? Because I don't know about you, but a town that has a whole lot of lost souls... But a few saved souls and a good church, that sounds to me like a recipe for success for the Lord. We don't feel content with the blessings we receive from God, whether they be physical or spiritual. And in this way, Satan weakens the church. He makes us not want to work, he makes us not appreciate the blessings God has given us. But if our brethren who live in Sarate, Colombia, who live in conditions much less comfortable than ours, can be joyful and content in their home, how much more should we be in ours? I want to read from First Timothy, chapter 6, if you'd like to turn there in your Bibles. I'm going to read from First Timothy, chapter 6, and I'm going to start in verse 3. It says, If anyone advocates a different doctrine and does not agree with sound words those of our Lord Jesus Christ. And with the doctrine conforming to godliness, he is conceited and understands nothing, but he has a morbid interest in controversial questions and disputes about words, out of which arise envy, strife, abusive language, evil suspicions, and constant friction between men depraved of mind and deprived of truth, who suppose that godliness is a means of gain. We get this, right? We talk about it a lot. Don't, be in, don't teach false things. And, if you're, in it, and if, if you're in the teaching of the Lord just to get some money out of it, then your heart's not in the right place. You're not doing a good job. But look at what he says in verse 6. But godliness is means of great gain when accompanied by contentment. For we have brought nothing into the world, so we cannot take anything out of it either. If we have food and covering, with these we shall be content. But those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a snare. And many foolish and harmful desires which plunge men into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all sorts of evil. And some by longing for it have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. It's an interesting statement he makes in verse 6. That godliness with contentment is great gain. False teachers, they seek godliness to get gain. But godliness when we are content brings about great gain. Not physical gain, monetary gain, but rather spiritual gain. So are we content with what we have here? Because our godliness with contentment will bring about great gain for the church and great gain for the Lord. I'll close here by reading verses 11 and 12. Paul writes to Timothy, But flee from these things, you man of God, and pursue righteousness, godliness. Faith, love, perseverance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called and have made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. So Satan works against the church to slow us down, to make us want to stop with discontentment. But he also works through discouragement. But halfway through our trip, we visited a town called Vichy Garzon. If I was going to pick a favorite, this would probably be it. Vichy Garzon is in the that would be the southwestern area of um, uh, Colombia. It's spelled Villa Garzon." Um, uh, this is the congregation where a man named Armando worked. We discussed him for a this, mor- this morning. Vija Garzon was a congregation that was small, and it was led by Car- uh, it was led by is it Carlos? That was it, right? The man? Armando Arm- No, Carlos, the, the member that works there. Oscar. Oscar. Boy. Too many names. Sorry about that. Oscar. Oscar is, was a young Christian, and they finally got Armando, a gospel preacher, to come there and work there. And only a few months after that, Armando got COVID and tragically passed away. Now, think about that situation. You, live, you go to a congregation that's small. Ten people, maybe. Maybe smaller. And you've been waiting to get someone who is truly strong and rooted in the, in the word, who is an older Christian... And you finally get that. And not long after you've gotten that, you lose it again. And now, your church is backward left off. Armada was doing a lot of work for the church when, before he passed. That is discouraging. Freddie now preaches in Piedlito. We also discussed Freddie this morning. Uh, Piedlito is a small town. We drove about four to five hours by car through the mountains. It was a beautiful job to get there. The members own a section of buildings, um, uh, the front of which is a restaurant. That some of the members own and use to support themselves. You can see my feeble attempt at a selfie there. Um, and then the end, and then in the middle, there's a small little, kind of a covered alleyway to use for a church. And at the other end, you have a home that some of the other church members live in. And some of the church members went in together to buy this. That is Sebastian, one of the in the wheelchair. He is one of the children of some of the church members, and very knowledgeable boy. Um, he has a lot of physical difficulties, yet he gets up and gives Lord's Supper talks in his congregation. That's Freddie, the man in the black. He's the one that drives from P to to go speak there. And through all this trouble they've had over the past few years, they were so full of joy. And think about putting yourself back in that situation of losing that preacher that you've worked so long to get and then you know that there are some preachers there are men who are able to speak that are capable and they're coming in to visit if I were in that situation I would want them with me all the time because I'm working for this church I need encouragement to keep this word going but in fact they were sending us out to the people that were outside the Lord people that they knew needed the Lord we spend a lot of time go, driving around to other towns, going out to the jungle, to visit people that were outside the Lord. And this leads me to this. Oftentimes when we are discouraged, when we go through discouraging times, Satan wants us to slow down by looking inward at ourselves to try and solve our issues. Because that's what the world says, right? If you have a problem, you need to look inward. Because that's where the solution is. But with that temptation to look inward, that doesn't solve any problems, does it? But the brothers in Bija Garzón do the opposite. They care for each other. They look around for those who need help, and they go and help them, whether it be physical or spiritual, rather than themselves. We likewise should use discouraging times to strengthen and discipline ourselves as they have. Turn to Hebrews chapter 12, I'm going to start in verse 3 of Hebrews 12. For consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. You have, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding of blood in your striving against sin, and you have forgotten the exhortation which addressed you as sons. My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor faint when you are reproved by him. For those whom the Lord loves he disciplines, and he scourges every son he receives. For it is discipline that you endure. God deals with you as sons. For what son is there whom his father did not discipline? If you are without discipline, of of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Furthermore, we have earthly fathers to discipline us, and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best to them, but he disciplines us for our good, so that we may share in his holiness. Our brothers in Vijaygarzan, they used these discouraging times, and they continued to seek to please the Lord further. Even through these discouraging times, they did not use that to slow down. They used that and saw that as a way to be disciplined to further follow the Lord in their personal lives. And what is the purpose of this? What is the purpose of the discouraging times? As he says here, as, Paul, as the, the Hebrew writer says here in verse 10, that we may share in the holiness of God. We should use our discouragement to grow, not to slow down, not to become faint of heart as Satan wants us to. But as our brothers and sisters in Vija Garzon continue to do to this day, we need to work through it. We need to see that it's discipline and grow in our faith so that we may all collectively share in the holiness of God. Thirdly and finally, Satan works against the church using distress. Now, while discouragement and discontentment can work against us slowly over time, distress is often overwhelming, comes all at once, leaves us wondering what to do. This leads us to the last place we visited on our trip, which was Sahagun. We went straight from Sahagun to the airport to fly home. Sahagun is actually about 30 to 45 minutes away from Sarate, where Albert preaches. It's also in the northwest corner of the country. So, Artenio was the preacher in Sahagun. Um, And he was really the driving force of that church. He was pushing the members to really improve, to grow in their faith. And then when he passed a couple years back, things got hard for them. That's his widow, Doris, speaking to Santiago, our translator. Um, uh, Doris was not how I expected her to be I've heard about Doris for a few years and I kind of expected a more feebler older woman um, uh, she's not feeble uh, she walked up to me and she I, I kind of expected her I, I don't know what I expected but she came up and she was talking real fast in Spanish and then she started making fun of me in Spanish I think and then she was giving me this like, bear hug and she was a really wonderful woman but when Artemio passed they were truly distressed and many of the members stopped working because of it. After Papa's last visit last year, um, him and the brothers that went with him encouraged them and admonished them that you need to get back to work. You need to step up. And bit by bit, they are. And as we often do after worship on Sunday, they sat around and spent time with each other following worship. And it was very. It reminded me a lot of home in Anderson. But likewise, for us, disaster strikes in our lives. And it affects our brothers and sisters. With the news of the passing of our brother and sister, Brett Windy. No one expected it, but it came all the same. Paul was greatly distressed and discouraged for the sake of the Thessalonians and 1 Thessalonians. If you would turn there. It will be our last reading for the evening. Let's read 1 Thessalonians chapter 3 I'm going to start in verse 1 Therefore when we could endure it no longer we thought it was best to be left behind at Athens alone and we sent Timothy our brother and God's fellow worker in the gospel of Christ to strengthen and encourage you as as to your faith so that no one would be disturbed by these afflictions for you yourselves know that we have been destined for this for indeed, when we were with you, we kept telling you in advance that we were going to suffer affliction. And so it came to pass, as you know, for this reason, but I could endure it no longer. I sent, them, I sent also to find out about your faith, for fear that the tempter might have tempted you, and our labor would be in vain. We can become, become discouraged for a number of reasons. But as our brother and Sahaguna working to do, we must overcome it, relying on each other relying on the good faith of each other and the good confession of faith we all make. I'd like to read from verses 6 to 8. But now that Timothy has come to us from you and has brought to us the good news of your faith and love, and that you always think kindly of us, longing to see us just as we also long to see you. For this reason, brethren, in all our distress and affliction, we were comforted about you and through your faith. For now we really live, if you stand firm in the Lord, our relief from our distress comes from God. And we often pray for relief from that distress. But oftentimes the relief is found in this room, in our brothers and sisters. The relief in the distress of the passing of our brother and sister are found in their faith. Relief in our own personal struggles and our personal distresses are found in the faith in the common faith we all share. And so we must rely on one another. Otherwise, Satan will slow down the work of the church. I'm ever so grateful to share this opportunity with my grandfather. And I plan to return next year, if, um, if FC will let me. One thing I've learned from this, though, is that if we want to grow our church, as we've been talking a lot about in Anderson, and if we want to be more pleasing to the Lord, then we must be content we must grow to serve one another and rely on one another and we must rely on the joy that the lord gives us and this is such a great grace that the lord is giving us but the greatest grace that we've been given is that of christ and we cannot have these blessings unless we are first in christ through christ and his sacrifice we have access to the forgiveness of sins we have access to the ability to be adopted as sons and daughters of God, if we only submit to him in baptism. If there is anyone this evening that has a need, ask you to please come forward as we stand and sing.